Time for the morning brief where we take a closer look at the day's big stories and uh, we bring in one of our big pundits and they offer their views and sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. Today it's Scott Reed, CTV political commentator and advisor to a number of prime ministers, premiers and political leaders. We don't actually have Scott. Yeah, sorry, we look like, uh, to you, look like we're bringing a plane to Pearson with I was, yeah, waving. like I was getting these frantic signals, which weren't quite understandable. But Scott is missing in action, is he? No. Yes. I'm, there you I'm go. here. Good morning. I'm here. Okay, good to have you. I'm oh, not geez. sure what that confusion was. Uh, okay. It was all me. I had a big thumb that hit the wrong place. Oh, that, okay. <laughs> Let's keep moving. So, uh, you heard what Mark Mendelson had to say, I'd imagine, about uh, the expansion of the Toronto police budget. I'm not reflexively against it, but I want to see the math, I want to see the homework, and I want to see some kind of proof that it's just about more bodies in the street that's going to make us feel safer. What do you say? Um, I say both, I guess. Uh, you know, first of all, I want to pick up on something Mark emphasized that I think is really critical. And that is, you know, the specialization of units that we see, you know, uh, guns and gang task force. Um, we talk about, you know, the carjackings and car thefts. I myself have had my car stolen more than once. So, you know, you, you see the police response to that is we're setting up a specialized unit and we're, you know, we're putting together a task force. Well, that draws officers. And so that depletes, you know, the on the beat sort of cop, if you will. Um, the emphasis that we all want to see on community policing again that that draws people out if police officers are you know sitting on the horses at the spring fair for your public school and middle school that means that they're not responding to those calls so I, it makes sense to me that you need to expand the budget it makes sense that the, uh, more is being asked to police it also makes sense to me that there's you know diversion of some you know uh, specializations too and mental health officers being used as opposed to cops to do certain things so I'm in favor of the budget increase, and I'm certainly an opponent of defund. Uh, I think that that's just a nonsensical response. And our city's growing massively, so you know that's that's just the reality of it. I do think there needs to be, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna have extraordinary budget increases, then we also need to have extraordinary scrutiny. And it isn't just about an ex post facto review. At the end of the year, the auditor general looks through and says well, this wasn't done efficiently. I, I also wonder about resource allocation in advance. So are we doing things, you know, in a, in a way that makes sense or is it just sprawl? And how do we make certain that budgets don't go into sprawl and that we're using that money as wisely as possible? But fundamentally, do we need it? I think we do. Meanwhile, the uh, committee chair for the Transportation Committee in Ottawa says Sunwing and Via Rail are going to have to explain how things turned into such a mess over the holiday. I think these are very different situations. I mean, one is a discount airline that ended up in chaos because apparently it doesn't spend enough money on tracking its own personnel. The other was things like snow and a downed tree and a derailment. Um, but one observation I would also have on this one, Scott Reed, is the big fans of small government always seem to be a fan of big government when it comes to, for example, going after the airlines? Um, well, I, I guess. I, I think... I, th I think two things. One, I think that these organizations should be asked to... Um, uh, ask tough questions and, and held to account. And, you know, even in the case of Via Rail, I, I understand and appreciate that extraordinary things will occur, but they're in the business of moving around extraordinary things. <clears throat> and so um, are we to believe that you know, sorry, this is the way it's going to happen when you get this sort of fall of dominoes. Okay. Or is it possible that you could contingency plan in a way that would avoid that situation in the, in the future? Um, Sunwing, it doesn't look like they, you know, uh, given enough resources w where those are needed is, 
Is that rational? Um, is that mean that we're stuck? So I want all those questions asked. My challenge is this, as someone who's lived in and around politics my entire adult life, I think the parliament's increasingly awful at asking those questions. I think that, that, that car, uh, the idea of a parliamentary committee that can, you know, dispassionately, soberly, smartly ask these questions, get answers, make recommendations, I, I think that function's being stripped away by, you know, the the increasing partisans partisanation and, pol- and, politi- and professionalization of our politics. And what I mean by that is, you know, these guys are going to get up there and they're not going to be asked a bunch of thoughtful questions. They're going to be try. people are going to be competing to make them look like jerks. And, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen. Politicians are going to grandstand against them and they're going to ask dumb questions and they're going to try to get a news clip. And, and I guess that's, part and parcel of where we're at, but it doesn't serve any fundamental function. So I hope that these questions are asked. I'm all for the parliamentary committee doing it. I hope they do it well, but I hope that there are other forums that also ask those questions because I have extremely low expectations for what can come out of a parliamentary committee examination. And why? Because I've watched over 25 years the efficacy of, of parliamentary committees deteriorate over and over and over into just political gong shows. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the availability of video on YouTube and in other places where you don't even care what the answer is. You just want to get in a good question so you can put that in a video when you run the next time. But actually, this brings me to this U.S.-based research group that believes that the polarization of things in the United States of politics is beginning to spill over into Canadian politics. Do you buy that? Well, to a degree. Um, You know, I I worry when I see stories like this because they become sort of breathlessly repeated and and headlined. And the the truthful, more thoughtful answer is, in some ways, yes. But it it goes back to that word I used before, which is kind of boring and bureaucratic sounding, the professionalization of politics. You know, we don't see... Um, we don't see certain trends happen here. Like we don't see the hatred against immigration the way that it's happened in the States. We don't see, um, you know, you don't, you don't see white power, in fact, mainstream politics in quite the same way. So, you know, that's, th- those are our positive things. But what you do see is that the United States is an electoral laboratory. They are constantly holding elections at all levels. It's professionalized and particularly on the right, but not exclusively on the right. Cause it certainly happens with, liberals and new democrats we look down there and we say hmm, what is the latest thing they've built how do we borrow that and so when it comes from polling direct mail uh social media um specialization targeting uh sliver focus all that stuff all of those things get adapted and and in pulled into our politics by those that work behind the scenes. And so, so that's where, you know, you have to, you have to focus. It isn't just like, Oh, Pierre Polyev is just like Donald Trump. That's an inexact statement. That's an unfair statement and it's an untrue statement, but you know, that, that sort of, you know, (laughs) that, that railroad of, professional political techniques, which often places the public and the public interest at the side, that does happen. And that's a cause for concern. Okay. And quick thoughts on British Columbia has introduced a three-day cooling off period for home buyers. I would say if you're not sure you want to buy a house, then don't make the offer. Yeah. But, you know, this is the kind of thing where you say, all right, let's... Um, 
you know, th this is one of 60 things that you see governments trying to do in order to put a little bit of balance in, in the situation. So, I mean, the big thing is interest rates. The big thing are central bank, uh, you know, central bank puts up interest rates and we're seeing the effect in terms of cooling the markets. But, you know, you're also seeing things like, you know, bidding war. So where does this play a role? When you get these mad frenzied bidding wars and people are like, oh, my God, you know, like, oh, my agent tells me I have to do this. Well, the agent's incentivized to advise you to do it because they get a chunk of cash. And, you know, this, you know, those who are selling, you know, they want to make certain that the bids are blind because then they'll get a higher rate. And so then this allows the people that get caught up in that whirlpool to say, you know what? that last 24 hours was mad and this is more than we can afford and more than we should afford so i can see in a small small number of situations that having some benefit but you know what's what's the big answer to this big problem it's the big answers it's interest rates it's you know changing the way that real estate agents operate it's it's that kind of thing thank you sir good to have you you too cheers